Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. I am dead. I just tried to complete a basketball workout and it did not go very well. But we're here now. Welcome to another episode of Hoop and Holler. It's your host, Reagan Griffin. As always, joined by Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Um, I'm feeling pretty good because tomorrow I'm about to go, uh, you know, kick Reagan's ass on the court. Kick <laughs> Reagan's ass on the Bro, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. But we're going to record it again for you guys. Of course we're going to. Bro, this is all. Okay, so I think I'm going to stick with the uh, the video thing, but I'm going to make it a little bit more cinematic than, it, than this past one was. It's going to be more of a dramatized thing about me becoming better, but it's cool. You know, if you kick my ass once or twice, every time you kick my ass, I get a little better. That's fine. He said once or twice. How many it's times have we played? It's already happened like about four times. All right. All right. <laughs> fine. 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 Eddie? Add to this conversation so I don't have to keep having this dialogue, please. Um, it's funny because I feel like this happens every time you say, how are we doing? Julio says, I'm doing good. And then, di- you know, throws a dig at your expense. And then I, I throw a dig. you're like chilling. Yeah. To, to make you feel better, uh, I throw digs out at everybody. So I, I come at everybody's head. And in your words, that's fine. That's fine. And that's fine. That's fine. That's fine, face. Um, but let's go ahead and get into what we have today. We have a pretty full docket of a lot of players that are, are poised to potentially move around. It could be a very interesting, what, month of an offseason? <laughs> like, it, it could be very... Two weeks. Very, like... A week and a half. Yeah. People are... There's going to be a lot of moving pieces. So, why don't we start down in the dirty old south with Texas, man? Why don't we start with Texas, Houston, apparently everybody... Is pissed off. Every single soul on the Houston Rockets team is mad at their role or wants to leave or something to that extent. Gentlemen, how do we feel about Houston right now? Is it just is it just is it clipped? Is it over? I, I, I mean, I I've always held the you know belief that you know this was true. I don't know if I've said it in a previous pod. You know, when we were back at Annenberg, but I mean, if you're Anything close to an all-star, a star player, a player who wants to blossom, you know, in your own role or become something of yourself, a.k.a. not being, you know, just subjected to being a role player, Houston is not for you. As so long as James Harden is there and the D'Antoni system is there, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be super frustrated and you're going to think and you're going to believe and maybe rightfully so, that you're not being used the right way and they're not optimizing your potential, which will then affect your bag, your money. So I don't blame any of these players uh, um, for being, you know, upset and frustrated at, you know, their their standing, you know, within the last few years. P.J. Tucker, you know, he's upset about his contract because he's getting older. He wants that last final contract. Um, and talking about old people getting, you know, a new contract, shout out to you, 
Udonis Haslam. Two and a half million dollars. For sitting on the bench and coaching some, some dude. Just become an assistant coach. But hey, I, I think this is his final year. Then he'll reti- he'll retire. I said that um, three years ago. I don't know. Like this, yeah, none of this but, makes sense. I feel like he might but, ride it to twenty. But anyways, um, you know, I, I can understand where these guys are coming from. You know, Austin Rivers. You know, getting, you know, not consistent playing time. And then you know, Dan- Daniel House. That that's a dude where it's like I don't know if you, you're so that good where you can complain. But I do understand. You know, standing in a corner, standing on the wing, standing up top is not that fun. It's not fun basketball. You'd rather, you know, and, and um, I hold this belief of James Harden. This is the last thing I'm going to say that obviously I, I don't think he's the, he's the greatest leader, but I think he acts like he's like too cool for his team or he just gives that vibe off. And when that report came out that he got pissed and he, you know, cursed out Austin rivers for standing on the sideline. <laughs> Because James Harden missed a free throw, that is the most drama queen. You know, uh, um, you know, you guys have to serve me food and all that. So I, I can't be mad at these Houston players for being upset at James Harden. It's funny because that was like my favorite anecdote from that story <laughs> about Harden missing a free throw and cursing out Austin Rivers for standing up on the sideline. But I mean, the truth is, I, I've always kind of you know appreciated James Harden's game, but also. I think me and anybody else understood what his deficiencies are. And it's not even so much what he brings on the court, but how he carries himself off of it. You know, like he, a, a lot, like a lot of these other superstars right now are, you know, like they, they, they feel themselves a little too much and maybe no one really holds them accountable. And I know we're, we're going to talk about Russell Westbrook later, but something that popped up in, you know, the, the Westbrook news was that he didn't like that the Rockets didn't have a culture of accountability um, he didn't like that James Harden as their star, you know, wasn't willing to hold himself and by that nature, other players accountable. And I mean, there's definitely a lot of credence to it, but I mean, what can you do if you're Houston? Because clearly the way you've been playing basketball, which is, you know, give James Harden the ball and let him do stuff has been like pretty darn effective. Right. And it's like, maybe Daniel house is not that happy. And um, maybe like, who else? What is that? PJ Tucker is not that happy. But, you know, it's like, if, you, if you're a player and you don't like the role in life, that's fine. Like, if you can want out, you can want out. But you definitely can't say that um, the basketball uh, that they've been playing has become worse because they're playing the way that they are. It, I, I, going back to James Harden really quickly, uh, um, I, said, I said this on my latest uh, YouTube video uh, that James Harden's game is – Although it's not conducive to winning at you know at the highest level, nor is it pretty to watch in like a game five on five game perspective, his game you know individually is you know amazing to watch if you're into you know offensive skill and reading you know different defenses. But again, from a game five on five NBA game standpoint, it's not pretty to watch, and you know you can see teammates sometimes like. They want to throw their hands up. They're just shaking their head. They're rolling their eyes, and it's like they, they, they don't want to be there in Houston with James Harden. I mean, you put yourself in their shoes, and it's like, who wants to hoop like that? Like, it's it's understandable, the frustration, right? The results are going to be what they're going to be. And But for me, if I'm, like, on the team, I'm not willing to win a championship like that. Like, it, there's no fun in that. Like, we, we talk about how sports aren't just – 
winning, right? It's the process of winning that makes it extremely enjoyable. That process is a boring one. It's dull, and it's really entirely on the back of James Harden with a sprinkle of Russell Westbrook. Like, that's not fun for me if I'm Daniel House or Austin Rivers. I'm here to play basketball, right? I, I can get a check if I want to. I appreciate it. I can get, you know, the, the fame and accolades that come along with being an NBA basketball player. But if I love basketball, I don't want to be a Houston Rocket. I don't want to play with James Harden. I will say, though, with all that being said, all that being true, Russell Westbrook, I mean, of course, like what you said, it depends what you value more. Russell Westbrook will not get a better chance for the rest of his career to win a championship. And you can say, you know, Houston's not going to win a championship. And, you know, I'll be inclined to agree with that statement. But no contender wants you. And if you go to a sucky team, no, you know, big name stars are going to come and want to play with you. So I guess the only appeal here maybe is to go to New York you know, where you're going to shine, maybe taken to the A seed, but that's all you're going to be. And you're not going to be much better. You're not going to go to a better, quote-unquote, better situation winning-wise, not enjoying-wise, but winning-wise than, you know, you are right here in the Houston, with the Houston Rockets. So you, you have to weigh those options if you're Westbrook. Well, let's get into and that. Let's talk we, about Westbrook. Or I guess before we go all in, you know, on the Westbrook talk, I, I do want to bring up that, like, Sure, you know, Harden plays a style of basketball as a superstar that's not really enjoyable if you're a role player. But let's be honest, like, don't most superstars play that kind of basketball? Like, I bet in a few years we're going to be talking about Luka as a guy who handles the ball a lot and a lot of guys around him don't like it. And a lot of these stars don't stay with their teams that long where players get tired of them. That's why LeBron has moved teams so many times. That's not true because it's not like this nucleus of Houston has been around for this long. This nucleus right here... Mad Max, I mean, Eric Gordon might be the most, uh, the player that's played with uh, him for the longest, but it's like, um, Curry, that's a guy who I'd love to play with. Well, I'm getting hella I open mean, shots with him with Curry. That, I'd love to play why, with why, him. Yeah, that, well, I'm saying, like, why, why do I spread the gospel of Steph Curry? Because he's like the rare superstar who's yeah, actually yeah. enjoyable to play with. There's, like, we like to single out James Harden for being kind of a, a ball hog, I guess, but... I mean, most superstars are ball hogs by nature. That's just how they play. I mean, James Harden just happens to be in the same situation for so long. But the thing is, like, I'm not playing basketball. I'm standing here, right? Even if I'm a guy with, I'm with a guy like LeBron who dominates the ball. At least I know I have a role. At least I know I'm Danny Green, and you're gonna throw me in some off-ball actions. I'm gonna get my open threes by product of you doing what you do. If I'm, if I'm with James Harden, I'm literally just standing there. But I mean, like, I don't like what, do what did we say about what did we say about like Kevin Love all those years when he was on the Cavs? They relegated him to the corner. Right, we, we turned that into a joke, but like that, that's that, that's not the case. Like where Kevin Love was literally just standing there, not playing basketball the majority of the but time. But like, I get it. The Rockets really magnified it to an extreme. But all superstars are high usage players by nature, and there's very few players where you can like incorporate that and still make it a very a democratic system. I mean, it's not going to have to be a democratic system, but you said it. They elevated it to an extreme, and once you make it that extreme, I'm no longer enjoying myself playing with you. Like, I understand that you've got to be superstars and role players, but if you're going to make me a role player, make me a role player, not a role standard. I don't want to, like, be just a guy on the court. Like, literally, when you're talking about you can throw, be one and done or leave if you want to— I bet if you're Houston and you're willing to play the same style of basketball that you've been playing, your mentality is fine. Leave. We can replace you with easily anyone because this is a style of basketball that's contingent upon James Harden's skill set and no one else's. Like, that's not a... 
you can't say for any other team in basketball, no matter who the superstar is, that the team is entirely contingent upon one person's shoulders. Never. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, again, to Julio's point, if you're Daniel House, you know, don't be complaining if you got a, a higher usage role and your team is, you know, a lottery team. You know, I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. At least you're having more fun. Let's move on to Westbrook, though. Let's move on to Westbrook. What are we thinking about the options there? You mentioned it a little bit. We talked about New York. I heard Charlotte thrown out. Um, what do we think is the best situation for Westbrook? Why don't I tell us that up? I mean, I think it was... I, I don't want to say, you know, immature... But and I hate calling you know Russell Westbrook immature because I kind of fight back against those analysts against those people that you know critic you know I understand where people are coming from where they when they criticize Westbrook his decision making his lack of shooting his you know his usage rate and I'm not gonna say stat padding but you know that's what people say stat padding but man it really came to light when you know the quote he said about. You know, he wants to he, he wants a situation just like he had it in OKC. And if that's what you value the most, then you don't really value winning, if that's the case. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to say, like, New York is the best option for you. No one's going to want to play with you. And you're going to, you know, if you want to retire there, you I mean, your teams are going to be hot garbage. So th- those are my thoughts. Are they going to be hot very, very garbage? Simple. The, you can make it to the playoffs. Yeah, the that's East what I was going to say. Like, they won't be consistent lottery teams. I feel like those are teams that make the playoffs but have a clear ceiling. Like Russell, I mean, go ahead. You might you might be like the you know the blue recycling cans, not like the black ones. But like, <laughs> what's the difference? You know, I mean, people but, still throw their trash in the blue recycling can. I mean, I'll say this: though, I admire analogy. that Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I, I I admire that Russell Westbrook is about doing the hard work. And, you know, like, I do overlook that about him because I, I will criticize him and this and that. But, you know, he's about... He's harder than anybody in the league. Yeah. And, like, I, I agree with that. I just don't think, you know, he uses those hard work, you know, uh, uh, to in the right spaces. But I don't know. I wonder if Russell Westbrook thought that he could still go to a contending team, take on a higher usage role and win, whether he thought that. But... Um, I feel like it's kind of a reality check for him that the two biggest suitors for him are the Knicks and the Hornets right now. But if he's a guy that wants to dribble a lot, you know, shoot 40% and 20% from three, you know, get triple doubles, whatever, you know, like then he can go to Charlotte where he obviously has a relationship with Jordan and the Jordan brand, go to New York, you know, get under the bright lights. Uh, The pressure is super minimal because I don't think any Knicks fan would be expecting them to win the championship. Like, um, if that's what Russell Westbrook wants for his career, like that's pretty ideal. I mean, and, and I would kind of want to see it happen anyways. Do we think that Russell Westbrook in any situation could be a championship player? Uh, I think so. I mean, the best opportunity he had was, you know, when he had KD next to him, when he had Ibaka, um, you know, I'm not going to say Kendrick Perkins, but, you know, because <laughs> he thinks he's so important. But Kendrick Perkins, Tabo Cephalosha, all, all those guys, um, that, that was his best option. What about you? I mean, I'd have to think about Russ like we think about Carmelo Anthony now. Like, Melo can be a, a championship player if he joins the Lakers and is like the ninth dude off the bench, right? Like, I think well, anyway. Russell Westbrook not coming off the bench. 
Now, now that's the thing is like, can can Russell Westbrook get out of his own ego's way? And that's not even like a starting role. Like he can still start, but he can't be dribbling the ball as much as he is. I've said this all along that Russell Westbrook would be such a great player if he focused on defending like crazy because he can. And then, you know, facilitating and pushing the pace and not worry about, you know, jacking up 25 shots a game. If he can, you know, play within himself, which is something he hasn't done up until now. Like, he can be a really good, like, third piece on a championship team, championship team even. But, you know, he thinks of himself as a 1A player when he's not that. See, you brought up something that I'm not sure I agree with, and that's ego. I'm not sure what we see from Russell Westbrook is an extension of some sort of ego that he has. More so of just that's the way he's always played basketball, no, right? And that's yeah. what got him to this point. He was attack, he was aggressive, um, and he dominated the ball. And that's gotten him, you know... First round draft pick in the NBA, uh, max contracts. That's gotten him MVP. That I mean, that's done a lot for this man in his career. It's going to make him a Hall of Famer. But can it win you a championship? Probably not, as we've seen. But I, I can't really knock Russell Westbrook for not wanting to play the way that's gotten him so much in his career. You know what I mean? We're talking about the the fringe thing that he hasn't accomplished, which is a championship. But- and here's my thing with Westbrook when, you know, there's, there's a middle ground to everything. Some people love to, you know, just bash on him. Self, they throw out words like selfishness and ego, egotistical. And, you know, he doesn't want to pass anybody on the court. To me, it, it you know, it, that, you know, his style of play emanates from his desire to win so badly. And I truly believe this is where it comes from. His desire to, you know, truly win so badly that he thinks he's the best option on his team, you know, wherever he is, whether he's in Houston or OKC, that he's the best option for his team to go get a bucket in certain situations. And sometimes that makes him look stupid when he makes, uh, you know, terrible decisions on the court. But I think that's where it emanates from. It's not it's not selfishness. Like, let me do it. It's more like. I'm trying to carry my guys. I'm going to push through and just work so hard. And that gets him in trouble sometimes, obviously. So, yeah. No, like, you're right. It's not ego. Like, I should rephrase. It's more of, like, you know, a self-awareness issue to me. It's like, yeah. like, he can play the way he does. But, I mean, I feel like, like, I, I would just think that at this point, he would recognize that, you know, there has to be some changes made to his game, right? Because it hasn't worked for him so far, and he's played so long the league. Interesting. Well, let's move on to some of these other names because we have plenty to go through. Why don't we start with Victor Oladipo? That one was interesting. So you had news. Victor Oladipo's on the court. Man, I hate it out here. Hey, yo, Dolan, come get me. Come get me. Can I play with y'all? Hey, yo, who, who else did we say it to? Um, Toronto? Miami. Toronto and Miami. Toronto. He was telling other teams to come get him while on his court. Or so we thought because Victor Oladipo comes out and says, or a report comes out and says that Victor Oladipo is actually... 100% committed to the vision of the Indiana Pacers moving forward. Y'all, which one do we believe? I tend to believe whatever his teammate, one of his teammates might have leaked or whatever another teammate, you know, or another team, another player's team might have leaked. Um, because I just don't think you make something up like that. And even if it, if that's not true, even if that's not true, you have to believe that within the Pacers locker room, those players – know that Oladipo throughout the season when he was hurt and rehabbing to come back, that he was so checked out of Indiana. That's what you have to believe. Um, And, I mean, do I blame him? 
not really because obviously he's not getting the contract, the money that he wants from Indiana. So I think he's just throwing up a smokescreen lie with what he just said, uh, uh, that these reports are not true. So I, me personally, I just don't believe him at all. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is? It's that the report comes out yesterday. It doesn't look good. So he, you know, calls up Sean. So I think had this report, he's like, Hey, like, let me get the record straight. You know, rattles off a bunch of like lies or half truths about like, that's not what happened. Like that. But like, if it was originally reported, it probably happened. Like people don't just flat out lie like that. But you know, like I appreciate Oladipo for doing that because at least he respects, I think, the organization enough, the Indian organization enough, where he's not just gonna take his value, you know, like Paul George did, you know, when he was there, just saying he wants out flatly. Like at least Oladipo has some, you know, self respect. Well, to, I don't know if you, know, you have respect that. and value to the organization if you're literally t- telling players after the game. Come get me. Can I come? No, you're not. You, I'm saying it's not good. It's not a good situation, but he's not, you know, off the court going to Sean's being like, yo, I hate, I hate it here. Like print that word for word and put it in the <laughs> athletic, you know, like at least he's not doing that. Here's, here's what I see when I look at Victor Oladipo's kind of arc with Indiana, right? 2018, 2019 was the year he gets injured. Um, he was actually voted an all-star reserve that year after his injury. The year before he was, that was his first time being an all-star, but Look at the roster when he was injured, the, when he was initially injured um, and named an all-star. You had Bohan, or Bo- Boyan Bogdanovich, Collison, Tyreek Evans, Aaron Holiday, Corey Joseph, TJ Leaf, uh, Oladipo himself, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Thad Young. A bunch of guys who aren't there anymore, right? Now you have the roster as it's currently constructed. You still have Holiday, but now you have TJ Warren and Doug McDermott and uh, a rejuvenate, not a rejuvenated, but Sabonis has taken on a larger role. You have Jeremy Lamb. You have guys that weren't there when you saw Oladipo at his best. So it almost could feel like the guys in that locker room are being sold on an Oladipo that they never experienced or played with, right? So he might feel a little out of place, and I can understand why he would. So my point is, there's not a spot for Victor Oladipo in Indiana anymore. That ship has sailed. This is a new team. And Victor Oladipo, frankly, needs to be elsewhere because he doesn't fit that. The I mean, he could fit, but I just don't think it's almost like a, a the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles uh, thing that I've had going on. Right. Where it was the guys who won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles believe in Nick Foles. The guys who played with Carson Wentz believe in Carson Wentz. None of the guys who played with Victor Oladipo are now there anymore. This is a new crop of dudes, and I'm not sure they have the belief in Victor Oladipo that the, the players of old do. And that would just be weird to me because it feels like they reconstructed their roster to make it better and still have Oladipo be effective there. Like, to me, Brogdon and Oladipo, that's a great guard tandem. Turner and Savonis should be able to coexist, but it feels like Depot and Turner both, you know, are unhappy in Indiana. And it's funny because Depot and Turner are apparently, like, you know, the closest friends on that team. Mm. And then, I mean, you have other guys like Aaron Holiday who's gotten better. Um, I mean, McDermott Holiday. Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, I mean, the emergence of TJ Warren, too. I mean, that's a solid starting five right there. I think Um, think Indiana can afford to lose Oladipo, especially if they can get good assets for him. But that team with a 
Oladipo we saw from three years ago would be really, really quite good. So, I mean, it's too bad that Oladipo wants out, but I don't know. Like, what can you do now about it? I think where they get hung up is the fact that, right, they don't, like you said, they don't need Oladipo. They've played very good basketball without Oladipo, and now it almost feels like some people who saw Oladipo do this two, three years ago are trying to thrust him and say, okay, now this is your number one guy, guys. We're like, yeah, but you know, we've already been doing such a good job without him. Why, why are we taking it, shots away from the guys we already got? Yeah, but... And Eddie brought up self-awareness with Russell Westbrook. And I think this is, you know, a similar discussion we can have with uh, uh, Victor Oladipo because, you know, there were rumors that, you know, Miami had some interest in pairing another star with uh, uh, Jimmy Butler and, you know, names were thrown out like Victor Oladipo. You can't just go to Miami and this is where self-awareness takes into play or comes into play. Miami's not interested in you anymore. They're not going to be interested in you anymore. And you got, I, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you how, you how you guys feel about that. But if I'm Miami, I'm not interested in Victor Oladipo. I'm not going to, you know, roll the dice to make him my secondary star to Jimmy Butler. And that's going to put me over the top. I, I'm, I'd much rather wait on Giannis. It, it definitely depends on your asking price. I'm not giving up a Tyler Hero for him. That's for damn sure. Um and that's it, but Oladipo is going to want to re up, and yeah, that's the that's the main that, that's the that's the deal breaker for me. Mm. So, well, what if I don't give him that contract that he wants, and then Bro's just going to bounce on me, and I'm going to lose those assets that I used to trade for him? That's bogus. So that that that's, that's where that's where self awareness comes into play. That's why I think you know. I, I bet it's probably something organizationally that Indiana was unsure of Depot after the injury. You know, wasn't willing to financially commit. Because after that first year, they're probably like, oh, yeah, you're, you're our franchise player. We'll max you out when we get there. The injury really changes things. There's probably a, a, you know, a bunch of mistrust, you know, a lot of broken relationships there. So wherever Oladipo's going, he's probably going to look for the max contract. So will Pat Riley give it to Miami? I, yeah, I don't know if that's the first guy that they want to give a max to. I, but, I mean, the Knicks are always there. They're willing yeah, to give guys. I mean, I, I think I – think, uh... You know, Milwaukee might might be willing to part ways with Eric Bledsoe and maybe Dante DiVincenzo. Um, and I know that that may be a tough pill to swallow for Milwaukee, but them being desperate to, you know, show Giannis that they're serious about winning, bringing on, you know, talented players, they might do it. So I, I, I'll monitor that situation. Yo, Eddie, um, yeah. Julio, yeah. stay on top of that. I need you to plug into your sources, man. I need to make sure. I need any news that you got coming out of Milwaukee. But, Eddie, I'm looking at Bleacher Report right now, and there's an interesting article by Greg Schwartz that Russell Westbrook could be the key to keeping the Golden State Warriors dynasty alive. Is that right? You shit it off? I saw, I, saw a fake, I saw a fake Shams account that tweeted that out, and like, a lot this of people were This is dead ass. This is real. This is for real. This is a real article that was written by a real sports writer saying that Russell Westbrook is the key that you guys need to keep your dynasty alive. I don't know. I mean, man. as long as, as long as it's not reports from Golden State sources, I'm cool with whatever these you know dumb sports writers have to offer. Speaking of keeping dynasties alive, the Lakers are trying to make another one, and they might need Demar Derozan to do it. What do we think? So, I mean, I have so many thoughts on this. I should have written them down, but um, I'll, I'll just go. I'll just go from the dome. Um, so, I mean. What I've talked about on previous podcasts that the Lakers, you know, that they've said, Rob Palenka has, has said this, that he wants to do. 
He wants to acquire a third star. That's the first thing he wants to do. But he was—he doesn't want that star to be Chris Paul, aka old, aka having to pay that man, you know, forty million dollars plus two, three years from now. So he—he he doesn't want to do that. He wants a third star that obviously fits Bron and AD, which means a perimeter scorer, perimeter wing, um, who's also young, who you know may be on a cheaper contract now that they can you know. Uh, 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 pay later because he'll emerge as a star as LeBron fades and he'll eventually be that, you know, uh, a second option to Anthony Davis. So with, with DeMar DeRozan, I feel like, uh, and you guys know my ideal player is Zach Levine. So with DeMar DeRozan, I feel like you get, you know, uh, uh, an intermediary between Chris Paul and Zach Levine. He's 30. I think he's 31. He's 31 or 32. I think he's 31. He's 31. And the thing about DeMar DeRozan, he has a player option this year, this upcoming year, and he's not going to bankrupt your future. So it's not like you have to pay that man like the Chris Paul deal three years from now, like let's say $40 million. And I doubt DeMar DeRozan, you know, asking prices value around the league is going to be more than what his contract is now. So you can take that chance if you're the Lakers and it is appealing because with DeMar DeRozan, you get your third player, your third star that will improve your team. And that third star again is a scorer. He's a scorer that the Lakers need. He's a perimeter scorer and no, he's not going to come off the bench, but when LeBron goes to the bench, he can, he can be that guy to take over, you know, that role. So although I don't love the deal, I I do believe that if you're the Lakers and don't have a better one on the table, you do it. You can say that he's not the greatest defender. You can say that he's not a great shooter. He shoots 0.5 three-pointers, you know, per game. That's one three-pointer every two games. You gonna That's have to do fine better with than me. that, son. You, son, you're going to have to do more than that playing with Bron and AD. You're going to have to start that, pulling totally that jump. That's fine with me. You can find shooters on the open market, but does this, you know – does this deal make the Lakers better? Undoubtedly. And I'm tired of these annou- uh, of these announcers on TV saying, you know, hell no, I wouldn't do it. No, no, no. It, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Just like CP makes you better, so does DeMar DeRozan. Maybe in, in not the way that CP does, but it, it, it bodes well for, you know, much better for the future than, you know, a CP3 deal would do. So a lot of people make a big deal that DeMar is basically a non-shooter at this point in his career, which obviously, you know, in a shooter's league, that's big. But the more important part is he's pretty atrocious on defense. And you think given his, you know, like physical measurements or whatever, like that he's better, but he's never been good on defense. And if you're the Lakers, you know, their entire MO last year was defend and hopefully AD and LeBron can do stuff on offense. So you know, do you want to bring in a third guy who yes. can't really defend? Like, that's questionable. But to me, to me, you know, a lot of people are like flat out no to DeMar. Because I think people forget just what kind of player DeMar is. He's still insanely talented. You know, one of the best one-on-one scorers in the league. And now, like, maybe a top 10 passer in the league, too. He's become an insanely good passer. So can he coexist with Bron and AD? Like, no, yeah, man. he's not He's not going to ball hog, take, you know, midi fadeaways while looking off an open you know, 80 in the post or whatever. Like, that's not going to happen. And I just, 
Um, if there's nothing better out for the Lakers, exactly. I think it would be sneakily pretty good, but it's not perfect. But I don't know. It'd yeah, be a feel-good I, I story mean, as well. I mean, it, you're not going to get an ideal scenario in which you get, yes, I'm going to throw his name out there. You're not going to get Bradley Beal. But but with DeMar You need like DeRozan, a horn to go off every time Julio says the name Bradley Beal. But, but with DeMar DeRozan, I mean, as much as people want to criticize him, People have to realize he's not going to be our best player. He's not going to. He's not going to be our number one guy like he was in Toronto, the baby dinosaurs. How how you know how uh, uh, you know how how much did he suck in those series against the Cleveland Cavaliers? He's going to be our third guy. People have to understand that. And, and with people saying, "Oh well, he he can't defend." How much flack did we give Danny Green this year for not being the defender? That he once wasn't talking about shooting. I'm not trusting Danny Green from three. I'd much rather, you know, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan on the perimeter. Give it to him on the perimeter and make, you know, him create something. You don't have to just shoot threes. I mean, this game is not that simple. It, it, it's more, it can be more complex and more, you know, creative than that. So, you know, I, I'm tired of all these people. Well, you know, where's the shooting going to be? Where's the defense going to be? I mean, am I giving up Lou Dort, Reagan, in, in, in this in this trade scenario? Am, am I giving up uh, uh, Avery Bradley? Am I giving up these guys? No, I'm not. So you can supplement those, those you know, quote-unquote weaknesses elsewhere. So my two cents are quite simple. Let's not over or underestimate, I should say, the the level of talent right like at some point talent's going to usurp a lot of different things and, and it might be a questionable fit their marta rosa might have to spend a lot of hours in the gym figuring out that jump shot but at the end of the day that's three all-stars on the same team and his ego he's not going to let he's his not, ego exactly get in the way. He's not, his not ego won't get in the way and i honestly feel like and maybe this is just a, a hunch out of nowhere but i feel like demar DeRozan went away from the three knowing that it wasn't falling but if you said Demar, keep pulling it. If you shoot twenty five percent, you shoot twenty five percent. But I need you to pull that just so other teams recognize that you're going to be a threat to pull the three. I feel like he's going to do it, and he has a functional enough jumper to where I feel like it gets at least above thirty percent if you keep making him pull it. So that's my two cents. It's not much more to add. Demar Derozan, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. That would be beautiful. But. We only have a couple of minutes left, but we do want to address some other moves or names around the league that might have been floated around. We want to go LaMarcus Aldridge. Do we want to go – who was the other one? I'm trying to – Kevin Love. Kevin Love. I feel like Kevin Love is probably a bit more interesting. I'm not sure there's much credence to the LaMarcus Aldridge thing. Let's go Kevin Love. What do we think about that? So I said earlier that I want to see him in New York, probably on the Knicks, because that's the only team that can take him. Because someone really needs to get him out of Cleveland, man. Like he's too – big time like he's too smooth to be languishing in in middle america dirty cleveland you know like that man i don't like the way you talk about small cities i know I, i'm an elitist what can i say I'm, I'm a coastal nice, elitist bro. cleveland's Wait, not nice but we don't have to be, to be like objective. oh shitty ass dirty ass goddamn you know, dusty crust <laughs> Anyways. i'm just i'm just saying kevin love is basically a walking you know, kith apparel wearing like endorsement. You know that man loves like New York street fashion. He's built for the New York the, the New York stuff. So, however bad he is and however injury prone he is now, it shouldn't matter. The New York won't have to give up anything to get him. And 
what else are you going to play for anyways? Like, hope that Kevin Knox gets better? Like, I don't know. Just just go get Kevin Love and let him have fun in New York. But I, I thought a new regime came in New York. A new day is coming. A new this, a, a new, new what? that. <laughs> a new disappointing season? <laughs> a new subpar no, no, yeah, result? Yeah, yeah. Uh, s- setting into reality, um, you're not going to get much better. So, I mean, go- going for K-Love and, and Russ – Although, in my view, it's not the right decision. You guys aren't going to make the right decisions anyway, so might as well. Might as well be somewhat relevant. And then, I mean, the the LaMarcus Aldridge stuff, I mean, I don't know if he had a couple words to say about Kevin Love, but apparently there's, like, real reports of him uh, or, like, the Warriors looking at him as an option. And, like, I don't really get it, but, like, at the same time, like, if I, I squint hard enough, maybe I do. You know, like, Draymond at this point, he should be playing the five, and LaMarcus oh. Aldridge has become a legit three-point shooter. He can't defend, though. That's the problem. So that's why I'm out. I mean, but. my problem is that he's kind of just stagnant mobility-wise, right? Like, the Warriors play so well when they have five dudes on the court that can all run around and move. He's just not that mobile of a player. That's why it doesn't work for me. But back to and, Kevin and Love. Oh, go ahead, Julio. How much does he make? How much does he I want to say 28? like 30, close to 30. Somewhere in there. I'd, I'd, mu- I'd much rather have, uh, as much as I hate this player, I, I don't want to say hate, but wow. as much as I don't, you know, dis- or like this player on the court, on my team, I'd much rather have An- uh, Andrew Wiggins. Mm, interesting. Well, back to Kevin Love. It's interesting to examine like where in the league, because that's the one guy, when we look at all of these names that we brought up, we kind of have a pulse on what teams would be willing to trade for him, what teams would be he'd fit on. But Kevin Love is an interesting case. I'm not sure anybody has a real gauge on what Kevin Love, A, value around the league, and B, where would he go, who would want him, where does he fit? Like All of these things are kind of obscure to me. I'm not sure where Kevin Love exactly has a place in this league. Besides I mean, New York, he New York's have, a decent option, I feel like. He's always, he's always been linked to Portland, but I don't know mm. if that, you know, fit fits anymore with uh, uh, the emergence of, of, of Nurkic and his ability to step outside and shoot. Um, I would say if Daryl Morey was still in Houston, I'd say Houston. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I don't really know where he would fit. I mean, honestly, it's hard to see either, but I feel like Kevin Love might have like a mini CP3 renaissance type season, you know, if he ends up in the right place, because I mean, we forget because, you know, LeBron made him the, the corner shooter, but like the dude averaged 25, 12 and five in a year. And like not that long ago, dude was still getting 20 and 10. Like we know how skilled he is. It just is a matter of can he stay healthy, which is a big question mark, but in any given year, he could just stay healthy, and all of a sudden that becomes a really valuable piece. All of a sudden, or at least someone that carries a lot of value. We saw us out. We saw how much CP3's value rebounded this year. I mean, it's possible for guys talented as him. Is that a guy who you think is more likely to go to a a championship contender that needs another piece to put him over the top, or a team that's basically kind of in purgatory and not really doing a whole lot? If it was up to up to him. Or, if, uh, I don't think it's really going to be up to him. I, um, then, yeah, I would say a team in purgatory. Mm. It might be a team that's trying to take on contracts, you know, bad contracts with assets. The Pistons? So, maybe the Pistons, but damn, if, if he really has to go like, from Cleveland to Detroit, he should just retire. Yeah. Not <laughs> that bad. Eight Mile. <laughs> eight Mile wasn't... Like, yeah, that was atrocious. That doesn't help your argument, You didn't like bro. Eight Mile? 
No, no, no. The no. movie was good, not no, the, the setting. Was good, not the, not the environment. <laughs> that that doesn't help your argument, though. I mean, Detroit. You know, you got some culture there. You got a little bit of you know history. You guys just don't like non-California cities. It's fine. It's fine. I get it. I get I, I, it. Miami, bro. I, I'm all about Miami. Miami's the most non, or it's the most California city that's not in California. Okay. Like that, that's like <laughs> California ass city just in Florida. Like that doesn't count. What's one before we get out of this podcast because we're about a minute out. But what's one non-California city, non like vacation Chicago, spot? Chicago's my second favorite city in America, so you can't hold that against me. Chicago, they had a World Fair. Give me like an underrated city. Give me like a St. Like Louis. St. Louis is beautiful and has a you know budding culture. Okay, scene. that's St. Louis. Okay, that's one. Julio, give me one. I can't give you one. Not one. Not one single city in between Miami and Los Angeles that you're like. That's not bad. I wouldn't mind being there. I've never been in Texas, but I'd probably like like some cities like Houston, maybe. In Houston. Okay. Not Vegas, not any of those cities, but I, I, don't know. I don't know. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Houston, Texas, and St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Hoop and Holler. A lot of intriguing stuff going around the NBA. I have a hunch that we're going to be talking about a lot of things in a, in a very short period of time. So you stay tuned with all that good stuff. Stay tuned with Julio's uh, uh, Set the Record Straight. I know you're coming with the heat there pretty soon. Um, all that good stuff. Follow Square One at SQR One Hoops on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest content. We'll keep you guys updated and we'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.